Proverbs chapter 24. I'm going to read two verses there. Verse 11 and verse 12. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, does not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keeps your soul, does he not know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? If you'll go over to Ezekiel chapter 3, and I'm going to read two verses there as well. Verse 18. <laughs> When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou, you, givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou, you, would have delivered your soul. Father, we thank you for the word of God. That word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Right now, Lord, I pray for spiritual anointing physical strength, emotional strength. I pray for the mental faculties that I need to share what you have so laid upon my heart. May I not only speak it, but may we also receive it. And may God be glorified through the ministry of his word. And may lives be changed in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for your prayers. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to talk to you about being responsible for souls and accountable to God. Christianity, for sure, is not a walk in the park. I have never believed in painting it as a pie-in-the-sky journey. The truth of the matter is, it is a war, it is a fight, it's a race, it's not for the faint of heart. And frankly, there are times that it is a struggle. There is a cost to be a Christian. There is a cross that must be borne. I read a sign once that read, Salvation is free, but discipleship costs you everything. And I want to say to you that God did not call one soul here to easy believism and easy grace without a cross to carry and a sword to wield and a burden to bear. Further truth is there are actions in our lives that every single one of us 
will one day have to give an account for. There's a highway that the Lord calls us to, and the Scripture calls it the way of holiness. There is a straight and a narrow way that we are all called to travel, and one day before the supreme judge, Jesus Christ, we will have to explain why we occasionally veered off path. Listen carefully to your pastor and to the word this morning. We will be accountable for unconfessed sinful deeds. We will be accountable for things that we neglected. We will answer for unconfessed sins of commission and sins of omission. What does that mean, Pastor? That means if you actively break the Ten Commandments, you will have to explain why to the Lord. That means if you passively neglect to do something you were supposed to do, you will have to justify your neglect to the Lord. James, in his epistle, New Testament, wrote, To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. But there is one area that we fail to talk soberly about, and that is our responsibility to souls and our subsequent accountability to God. God has called every single soul in here to win souls. Sheep beget sheep. Not just the pastor or the licensed minister or the private school educator or a Christian counselor or those in crisis positions, but every single one of us. In my first church, a man asked me if I would drive him two to three hours to witness and win his cousin to the Lord. His cousin was not my harvest. His cousin was his harvest. I I expect y'all going to get a little quiet on me this morning. That's okay. And he left the church. Now, there are benefits to winning souls. I don't know if you knew that or not, but the Scripture paints pictures to us for those who win people to Christ. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30, we are told the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. A soul winner is wise today. Now, we're supposed to go after wisdom. In the book of James, we're told that if any, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, and he will not chastise you for asking for wisdom. That's one thing you can count on, friend. If you, that's one thing the Lord will never tell you no. If you go after wisdom and seek for it for a hidden, as a hidden treasure, the Scripture says the Lord will, will bless you liberally with it. But in this passage of Scripture, he tells us that if we seek to win souls, we will also gain wisdom from heaven. Not only do we gain wisdom by winning souls, but in James chapter 5 and verse 20, 
It tells us that a person that wins people to Jesus not only saves a soul from death, but through your obedience you hide a multitude of sins. And, and what that, another blessing or benefit of being a soul winner is that we, we hide a multitude of sins. When you lead someone in the sinner's prayer, when you, when you witness to someone and they subsequently come to Christ, when, when you share the love of Jesus and you watch the effects of it. I heard someone say to me the other day, and I totally concur, there's not a greater feeling in all of the world outside of your personal salvation than the opportunity to lead and watch someone give their heart to Jesus Christ. There's not a greater feeling in the world than to know that because of your faith and your efforts, somebody's name is written down in heaven. Well, praise the Lord. And when you do it, you hide a multitude of their sins. Now, let me tell you, you should not, you must not, you cannot cover up your own sins. 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James tells us, furthermore, we're really supposed to be confessing our faults one to another and praying for one another that we might be healed. So I'm not here advocating that you cover up your own sins. I'm telling you, you've got to take your sins to the great high priest and know that when you confess your sins with an attitude and a heart of repentance, he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Praise the Lord for that. But what I am preaching is that when you get hold of someone and you share the love of Christ and they subsequently come to the Lord you have buried and covered with the blood of Jesus a multitude of sins in their own life somebody ought to say praise the Lord so you're the benefit of winning souls is that you can gain wisdom a benefit of winning souls is that you cover a multitude of their sins and then there's a third benefit a soul winner the scripture says shines as the stars in the heavens. I read this in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. Listen to what it says. It says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as stars forever and ever. Let me just stop here and say this to you. If you desire to be important in God's work, if you desire to be exalted and honored in God's work, don't work so hard to get the pastor's attention or other believers' attention or impress people you attend church with with your talents and charisma. Start leading people to Jesus Christ and the scripture says you'll shine brighter than the noonday sun in the heavens. <laughs> Who cares about Orion's belt and the Big Dipper? I remember when I was a child in elementary school, I, we would go to that place called the Planetarium. Anybody ever remember the Planetarium? Okay, y'all didn't have Planetariums down here? It was this big round room. They'd turn out all the lights, 
And then they would show these stars and these configuration shooting stars. And they, they would take a, a marker, and then in, in this dark room, we would see the, the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and Orion's Belt. And man, I used to be fascinated as I sat there in a planetarium seeing the skies and all the constellations. constellations. But I, I felt this week a check in my spirit. I was out walking my dog one night, and I, I looked up at the starry sky, and I said, and Lord, I'm not out to exalt my name, but the scripture tells me that if I'll get a heart for the harvest and I'll start being bold in the name of Jesus, I'll be just as bright in your eyes as every one of those stars up there. I'm telling you, it's time for us to be fascinated with the reality that souls need Jesus and you and I have the answer. So a soul winner is wise. A soul winner hides the multitude of other people's sins. A soul winner shines brightly as the heavens. But there's another reason we win souls. It's our responsibility. And one day, we will answer for it. Jesus calls us to win the lost. Let's just be real today. There's two groups of people in the whole world. It's not black folks and white folks either. It's not poor folks and rich folks either. There are two groups of people in the world. Believers and unbelievers. Christians and sinners. The book of Romans tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Those are words that unbelievers need to hear. There's words concerning believers as well, or Christians. Words like this, to as many as believed, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even unto them that call upon his name. Another uh, scripture says we have been given that spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Let me tell you the difference between believers and unbelievers. It is not the color of our skin. It is not how much money we have. It is not how nice our home is. It is not our level of education. It is not our social class. It is not what we drove up in. The only difference between believers and unbelievers is this. The believer has accepted God's grace and the unbeliever just hasn't yet. That's it. That's it. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of of God. There is, oh, I feel the meddlesome spirit coming on. There is never room in the life of a believer to be arrogant or condescending toward anyone, whether they are a believer or an unbeliever. You have no right. You are simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find some bread. There's no right for us to be proud, pride filled. Every believer ought to be overwhelmed with humility. 
because you did not choose him, but he chose you. And when he chose you, he ordained you to bear much fruit. And I'll tell you what part of that fruit must be. The grace of God to you must be the grace of God through you to people that have not found what you have already experienced. I want to be a hero in the kingdom of God. Not a hero like the world swoons after. You think heaven cares that LeBron is the all-time leading NBA points person? Do you think heaven cares if Patrick Mahomes will be the next Tom Brady? These are world heroes. But how about a professional baseball player named Billy Sunday who was headed for a prominent career in baseball. But one day, God got a hold of him. And he laid the baseball bat down. He laid the glove down and preached the gospel to a hundred million people and had one million converts. I ask you, who will shine brighter in the skies of that heavenly city? Will it be Barry Bonds, the questionable home run king? Or will it be Billy Sunday who laid down a baseball career and turned himself into an evangelist and a soul winner for the Lord? Telling you there's an urgency in my spirit this morning. I want God to send revival. I want God to send an outpouring. I want to see, I'm not trying to replicate or duplicate or emotionally create something like what's happening at Asbury or what's happening at Lee University if you have or haven't been keeping up. College campuses one by one are being turned upside down with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. I want God to do his unique work in Pulaski County, in the town of Pulaski, because I know this, in the last days he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. I'm telling you, Jesus is about to split the eastern sky and this last day's revival is part of it and we don't have much time we need to win as many as we can to the kingdom of Jesus Christ I wish somebody would give the Lord praise Holy Ghost raise up some heroes this morning raise up some heroes this morning Many believers are consumers and not contributors. You've got to make a difference in someone's life and in their eternity by introducing them to Jesus, my Savior. Lord. I'm in Florida for a conference. And on February 1st, I stayed an extra day to visit with family. 
my mother's sister is very, very sick. While there, I go with another sister to visit her in the hospital. It's on a Wednesday. Though she doesn't profess to be a Christian, she consents for me to pray for her. The doctor walks into the room with her husband standing at the foot of the bed and looked at her and said, you will improve, but it will take a while. We left the room and I returned to Virginia and she kept getting gradually worse until she was 95% on a ventilator within a few days of having visited her in the hospital. We were very burdened for my sweet aunt because she was not ready to meet Jesus. We earnestly prayed. Listen, within a couple of days, she started improving, 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 less and less ventilator, more of her own lungs, less and less ventilator, more of her own lungs, until she came completely off the ventilator and was breathing on her own and was coherent. She was off the vent for roughly 36 hours. During that 36 hours, a pastor who is a family friend found out that she was coherent, stopped what he was doing, went directly to the hospital, and on a Wednesday, one week later, after she came off the vent for 36 hours, he led my aunt to Jesus Christ. Within just a few hours, she was back on the ventilator. And last night at 6.30, she did not go to hell. She went to heaven. Last night at 6.30, she didn't go to hell where she would lift up her eyes. No, friend. She went into the presence of Jesus Christ because God gave her 36 more hours of mercy. 79 years on the earth, and God gave her 36 more hours of mercy. I'm telling you what's the truth. They're walking around you. They're in your family. They're on your workplace, and they are your harvest. We don't know how much mercy is left but while there's still breath there's still hope and you have the pearl of great price inside of you it's time to share the good news hallelujah hallelujah to have lost her before that week would have been an eternal tragedy but to lose her this week we're rejoicing because she has made her entrance into glory. Listen to me. When you stand before the Lord, will it work to say, I didn't know. I didn't know they were lost. Proverbs 24 and 11 says, Does not he that ponders the heart does he not consider it? Will it work to say, well, I thought I had more time, and later I would start telling others about Jesus? Will it be justifiable when Jesus said in John 4, say not four months to the harvest? 
Behold, the fields are white, ripened unto harvest. Well, it worked to say, well, I couldn't win many, a large amount, so I left it to someone else. When Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, 22, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Well, Lord, the timing wasn't right. Well, David couldn't help the next generation. And he couldn't reach back to the last generation. But Acts 13, 36 says of David, he served his own generation by the will of God. You aren't in the good old days. And just about everyone in the room, if a generation is somewhere around 40 years, just about everyone in the room won't be here two generations from now. But you are accountable to serve your generation. In the United States of America, 332 people die every hour. In the next one minute, five people will go into eternity. The souls are countless that are hanging over the fires and flames of hell by a thread. Some are walking on a tapestry made of rotten, carnal material and at any moment could drop suddenly into the lake of fire. They're dropping into Hades, a place of torment, even as we speak. And the question is to each of us, will you accept accountability to God? Will you accept responsibility for souls? The call is so urgent that in Jude 23, the writer said, others save them with fear if you have to, pulling them out of the fire. Tom Rainer research tells us only 2% of church members invite unchurched people to church. And yet, 82% of unchurched people have said they would attend if they were just invited. I've leaned on the COVID crutch, probably like everyone in the room. Wasn't just a couple of years ago we had yellow tape and red tape. So we'd make sure we maintained our distance. Sister Mary Ann, I've leaned on that COVID crutch. People say, How's this church doing? Ah, church is doing great. Is it really? And there's not just an empty seat next to you, but in many cases, there are pockets of empty seats all over this sanctuary this morning.
Is that going to work with the Lord? Well, you know, we were concerned about COVID, God. We didn't want to talk to people one-on-one about the great love of your son because we didn't want to make them sick. 2%? A simple, hey, we've got a great church. The pastor, he's, eh, don't have to talk about him. Church is great, great, friendly church. Got great ministries going on. Why don't you come on, be my guest? Hey, here's a thought. Why don't you come be my guest, and I'll take you and treat you to lunch. May have to drive a little bit to get a good restaurant, but hey, it'd be worth the investment. 2% of churched people invite unchurched people. And yet, 82% of unchurched people if someone will just ask, I would, I would come. Margarita Lasky, a secular humanist, said, What I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. And then she said these words, I have no one to forgive me. The critical question was asked in the book of Genesis. Am I my brother's keeper? The answer is, Easter is exactly seven weeks away. Uh, I'm, I'm challenging you here. Don't go, go, don't go get the C&E folks. You know who the C&E folks are. They're the Christmas and Easter folks that come every year. And then the pastor is tempted to stand up at Easter and tell him, I'll see you at Christmas. And he's tempted to stand up at Christmas and say, I'll see you at Easter. But Easter is seven weeks away. The Holy Spirit wants to know. Who will you invite with the hopes of them finding eternal life? When I left the room that day, I shuddered. I looked at my mom's baby sister and I said, I don't think I'll see her again. We both walked through the hallways soberly, quietly, because she sensed the same thing. The doctor was saying, oh, she's going to improve. It's going to take some time. Brother Ted, after 30 years of doing this, you kind of, I'm not a medical expert at all, but you can kind of tell in the hospital room. But thank God for 36 more hours of mercy and for a pastor friend that was zealous and passionate about winning souls. Peggy writes, my job as a psychiatric home health nurse brought me in touch with many people who were hurt or angry or who were searching for answers to problems in their lives. She said, I, I, I knew that Jesus was the answer, but I could not bring myself to talk about him to them. And she said, one patient changed my life. 
Wanda was a 56-year-old widow in chronic depression. All of her family had died due to some tragedy within a span of about 16 years. The loss and grief overwhelmed her until life for her became a burden that she was unable to bear. One day, Wanda quit her job, went home, pulled the curtains, and refused to leave her house. Eventually, Wanda stopped eating, and even the smallest of tasks became too difficult for her to do. Wanda would end up in the hospital, in the psychiatric ward, and after a while, she was discharged, went home, and Peggy said, I was assigned to be her home health nurse. Peggy said, I visited her weekly to make sure she was taking her meds and was eating and taking care of herself. But over six months, Wanda was recovering. I knew she needed to meet Jesus, and I reasoned that soon she would attend church and would hear about him there. One day, I went to Wanda's house for my regular visit, and I was surprised to find the door ajar. Peggy said, I knocked, and when no one answered, I pushed the door open and stepped inside. I found Wanda's lifeless body in her room and found several empty medication bottles beside her, and in her hand, she held a note for me. Dear Peggy, I'm so sorry. I tried it your way, but I got tired. Please forgive me. I tried. I just couldn't do it. I got tired. Peggy slid off the bed onto her knees and cried her heart out to her loving and forgiving father. And this is what she said. Lord Jesus, she tried it my way. I gave her the best that I had, but it was my way. I never told her about you. I never told her about your way. Peggy said, on my knees, besides, beside Wanda's lifeless body, she said she promised God that she would never pass by another opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. Unbelievers in this room, unbelievers watching online, I set before you blessings or curses heaven or hell, salvation or damnation, eternal life or eternal death. Today can be the day of your salvation. Today could be the day that you experience free and amazing grace. Bow your heads with me. Lord, I sense they're in the room. They may be in the room and they've never even prayed the sinner's prayer. May today be the day that they pray the prayer of salvation. Today they're in the room and maybe they came because of a friend or a family member. But the truth of the matter is, you that search the hearts knows that they are away from God. Would today be the day, Lord, that they would come back home like the prodigal? He was part of the Father's house until he got turned aside from his own lust, and then he went out and lived in riotous living. But 
the father never stopped looking for him, never stopped praying for him to come home. Lord, if there are prodigals in this room, if there's prodigals watching this service, bring them home. Soul, I implore you, come home. Come home. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. If, you're, if you say, preacher, uh, something's not right. Things are not good between me and the Savior. Maybe you've never prayed a sinner's prayer. Maybe you've never known Christ. But today, you want to experience grace, mercy, and eternal life. Get up from where you are and come to the front of this sanctuary quickly. If you're here and you're away from the Lord, you have known Him, you've walked with Him, you've been passionately in love with Christ before, but you know the cares of life and the temptations of the world have, have brought a separation between you and Jesus. Would you allow today to be the day that you come back home? Anyone? God bless honest hearts. The prompting of the Spirit, so strong. I was in my first church, and this would be the beginning of paving the way. I had preached there a couple of weeks, and I had heard about a couple, and their names were Troy and Kathy. It was on a Saturday, and I was in the office at the church, and I had just met them. I didn't know them. But I'm telling you, there was such a weight of the Holy Spirit upon me. I'm telling you, it, 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 to obey the Lord, it had to be. My palms were sweaty. My heart was beating fast. I was a first-time pastor, and I, I could not afford the rejection. I was already nervous about Sunday to Sunday. But the Lord would not let me get away from that couple. He said, pick up the phone and call them right now. Man, I argued with the Holy Spirit. I argued with the Holy Spirit. Lord, they don't know me. Pick them up. Pick up the phone and call them right now. I finally yielded and picked up the phone. I said, hey, Troy, Kathy, I met you all the other day. I just felt led to give you a call and ask you if you'd come to church tomorrow. To my surprise, they showed up the next morning. I was thrilled. When the altar invitation was given, Kathy, the wife, she left where she was sitting, and she came to the altar and recommitted her life to Christ. Oh, I was beside myself excited. At Sunday night service at the time, we come back for Sunday night service, and there was Troy and Kathy again. I said, my goodness extend one invitation and they come for two services God gloriously restores her Sunday night Troy left his seat gave his heart back to the Lord and now 30 years later I was on their page the other day all of his posts are about Jesus he went on to do ministry 
God went on to use him in a mighty way. Not going to have big blow-ups. Not going to have a bunch of fogs, whistles and bells. We're going to have great gospel music on Easter Sunday and dramas that we do that minister to people. But I wonder if you've got three to five people that come to your mind right now. You know, you don't have to give them the Roman road unless you're led. You don't have to browbeat them with the gospel. I'm just saying have enough care and compassion to just say, hey, why don't you come sit with me on Palm Sunday or Easter Sunday? You won't regret it. We've shot down every reason why you shouldn't do it. And wouldn't it be great if we jumped beyond 2%? I would say we're probably a little higher than that 2%, but the, the thought that a church of 100 or 1,000 would only have 2% of its people to invite people to come to the house of God is startling to me. And yet they're out there. Well, you don't know what kind of sinners they are. I know what kind of sinners we were. <laughs> I know how lost I was. I want you to stand with me. And we're going to do what the Scripture tells us to do. We're going to talk to God about man before we talk to man about God. And so I want you to get three to five names in your mind right now. Three to five names that, are, that you're most heavily burdened for. They may be co-workers. They may be family members. Got them there? I want you to leave from where you are, and I want you to come stand around this altar with me. Come on, quickly. Quickly. I know, I know. I know the thing that pushes back is don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me. But let me tell you something. Jesus said you'll know them by the fruit that they bear. If they're not bearing Christian fruit, they're not Christ-like. They're not in Christ. That's the truth. You're not judging them. That's just reality. And you don't have to point out their faults and frailties and their shortcomings and their sins. No, all you got to do is operate with love and compassion and patience. All over this room, lift your hand to the Lord. Begin to call their name, whatever their name is. Whatever their name is, begin to call their name. You know who they are. You know who they are. You're talking to God about man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Save them, Lord. Bring them home, Lord. May they find peace with you, Jesus. May they find the assurance. Give them some more mercy. The scripture says your compassions fail not. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I'm so thankful that you gave my sweet aunt 36 more hours of mercy. It made all the difference in her eternity. It made all the difference. 
She would have been separated from you. Now she's with you and the rest of her Christian family for all of eternity. Hallelujah. Come on, just stay there for a moment. Call them out. Call them out. Call them out. They're your harvest. They're your assignment. We believe in the power of prayer. God, you see they're breaking up fallow ground right now. You're dealing with their hearts, Lord. You're speaking to them right now. Maybe a neighbor. It may be a co-worker. Maybe someone that's just gone through grief. As I look across this, this congregation, I know of one standing here that has a, has a co-worker that just tragically lost a close loved one. There's not a greater opportunity to turn them to Christ than during such a trial and crisis where they can find peace and love, compassion. Those students that come in here four days a week after school. Folks from our church pour in too. God, I pray for those parents, those single moms and dads. Some of them don't even have mom and dad. Their grandparents are raising them. him here. Just, just linger there. Robert, I talked to you about Luther. Cindy, Lynn, Lindsay, Amy, Christy, Liz and Walt. Just didn't talk enough about my son. 